Welcome to the Business Breakfast on Jazz FM with Oanda. Start your day with the latest business and city news and enlightening guests with Michael Wilson. Hey, very good morning to you. Just gone six. I'm Michael Wilson. Thanks for joining me on this morning's programme. Stocks have had their worst day in two years as the virus fears spread. And yet, in Asia, the share slides paused, awaiting some clarity. I wonder when we're going to get that. It's crunch day once again for the EU-UK trade talks. What will transpire? We'll have some detail on that. That's all coming up on this morning's programme. Market analyst Craig Earl and Bramayanda is joining me to look through the business headlines. It's Tuesday. The 25th of February. This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Well, that's the thing, Craig, isn't it? Very good morning to you. We've seen, I mean, pretty obviously, as far as London was concerned, um, you know, energy stocks, transport stocks, um, aviation stocks, tour operators, retail as well. We've seen all the stories, um, whether one is travelling, one is expecting uh, uh, Chinese visitors into London, into the UK to be spending money. Apparently, you can actually throw a handbag around um, in the big shopping parks where the Chinese normally go, um, etc., etc. And yet, and yet, um, you know, Asia comes back slightly overnight, awaiting clarity on the pandemic risk. We, I mean, you know, we always await clarity. How long have we been talking about awaiting clarity, whether it be about the EU, Brexit, or indeed this, 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 problem is there's no firm details if you look at the figures look at a country like iran which has seven confirmed cases in a country of how many people why are we worried about this so we're worried about it because it's uh, finally showing signs that it's spreading and it's mm. uh, accelerating and spreading so yeah i mean th- there's always going to be a lack of clarity with an issue like this because the numbers change on a day-to-day basis and some days they seem like they're improving and other days they seem like they're getting worse and yesterday was very much one of those wow it's got much worse over the weekend mm. because the because uh, of the fatality uh, rate in italy in uh, in iran as you say which is uh, in many ways uh, additionally sensitive uh, in korea as well and the fact that we did see this uh, this deterioration um, over the weekend did spook people because so it, it feels like we've kind of got in phases I guess is what I'm trying to say throughout mm. the, the last four or five weeks the first phase was the fear of this could be as bad as SARS uh, and the market reaction was very negative to that then we had the stabilisation when uh, when it kind of started to settle in that we were just we were we we knew more and we knew the way that this was moving. The market bounce back occurred when we started to see the deceleration in new cases in China. The light at the end of the tunnel. This is improving, and you know what? Not only are we seeing a deceleration in China, we haven't really seen a, a, a massive outbreak of new cases outside of the country. We've seen the occasional cruise ship or something like this, yeah. but in terms of new confirmed cases and fatalities outside of the country, they've still been extremely minimal. So maybe China has done a really good job in containing uh, this issue pr- predominantly with, in, inside the, 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 the inside Wuhan, but also um, it, within China. Uh, and so therefore, you could again, it was this kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Now the the kind of rising case in Italy, Korea, Iran, etc. All of a sudden, it's it's a case of well, actually, no, this is no longer a Chinese issue. It's not being contained as well as we previously thought, and this could actually get much much worse now. Uh, so that's why the markets have gone into complete reverse. Um, it is obviously worth noting, like I said, we've seen a small bounce in Asia overnight. We, the European futures are around half a percent higher, same with the US as well. 
It is, uh, but then I think that's in many ways was predictable. As long as we didn't see a massive deterioration overnight, you rarely see a three, four, five percent sell-off in equity markets, and don't see uh, a little bounce the next day if things don't uh, don't dramatically get worse. Okay, fair enough. Uh, in terms of the wider issues, though, um, Italy, for example, is now hitting the headlines, isn't it, as, a, as an economy which is going to suffer because of this? So yeah, where we're seeing the worst reactions is where we have uh, particularly sensitive economies. So. When people are talking about Iran, obviously we don't. I mean, I don't really look at the Iranian stocks. But when we when people are talking about Iran, it's about their ability to deal with the with with a, with, a, with a spread and whether whether this is a country where they can successfully contain it and stop it spreading with throughout its own economy, but also into other economies as well. When we're looking at Italy, it is very much an economic story, and it's again, I think I think I've said this so many times on the show before. I always find it difficult talking about the economics and the market side of something like this because ultimately the most important thing is people's lives and people's livelihoods um, but it, when you're looking at Italy and you can see that yesterday it fell almost 5.5% the reason for that is because the economy is so sensitive we're talking about uh, an economy that last year dipped into recession that has been weak for decades and that has been struggling to grow at any reasonable pace uh, since the financial crisis that still has a high level of unemployment so if you're taking this very unstable fragile economy and you're throwing something like coronavirus at it then it has the, it has the ability to really destabilise it and the problem with somewhere like Italy, unlike the UK, the US, and many others, is it doesn't have its own central bank that can just dip in and say, you know what, we'll cut interest rates, we'll stabilise the economy, we'll buy some bonds, don't worry we've got your back and we've got a government here that has plenty of fiscal headroom in order to try and stimulate the economy that way. We've got a government, in fact, that's actually really constrained by the European Commission because its high debt, le- its debt levels are already above 120% of GDP. It doesn't have its own central bank that can just jump in and cut interest rates and alleviate some of the pressure on the economy. So there's something like coronavirus is a massive risk economically uh, to the country, which is why the stock market is taking such a beating. When President Trump... Um tweeted yesterday stock market looks very good to me i thought he was being clever what he was actually saying was that he reckons that the u.s is isolated from this because it's the kind of place that it is and in a sense i suppose you could say about an island nation like ours but the clever side of this presumably is people like you to looking through all this if you were a stock picker and saying okay what would you actually go for what stage do you are you able to say to yourself look hang on a second this is fine and for all the reasons you just been just been talking about just previously on the program is it now time to be looking at the stock market thinking do you know what it's actually looking cheap now or is it far too early to say that uh, I would say it's too early at this moment in time and the reason is that we don't know how much worse this is going to get the fact that we've seen this spread into into various countries and, it, and it's not just one cluster it's not just one specific area where we've seen this spread the fact that this is spread out into a few different areas Europe Asia etc I would, suge- I would suggest that the numbers may get worse before they get better and that is going to continue to spook okay. investors until they see significant improvements. That's why we did see such a rush for gold. That's mm-hmm. why we saw such a rush for US Treasuries. We've got US Treasuries which are yielding um, which, which yielding what, 1.7, I think 1.8%, uh, I can't, maybe 1.5% at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, and that's a decent return uh, for a safe haven. Uh, and, and I think that's probably where we're going to continue to see a little bit more. Let's talk about the noise in front of these uh, trade talks now, the EU-UK trade talks, obviously, and uh, the Prime Minister saying, you know, he's happy to walk away and all this kind of stuff. Um, let's just, please, if we may, um, d- avoid the noise and, and look at really what, what's going on as far as 
um, the, the, the European side of this is concerned. I mean, over the weekend, um, there was deep prob- there were deep problems, weren't there, between Germany and France about agreeing a new budget. And, th- and they, uh, given that these, these two massive economies are pivotal to the survival of the EU, I would suggest that there's a lot more going on, a lot more tension behind all this than the trade talks with the UK. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, uh, th- this has the the black hole has been left by uh, the UK's uh, contribution um, disappearing effectively. It, it's massive. It's a bit. It's a massive problem because there's only two ways. Well, uh, two varying ways that you can fill that hole. Either countries have to pay more, and that burden is going to primarily fall on the uh, on the bigger countries like uh, Germany and France, or the uh, smaller entrants. Um, the, what the, the 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 money receivers effectively have to take less, or you have to find some kind of grey area in the middle. The only other alternative is that you come to a trade agreement with the UK that includes budget contracts contributions to a to a, a lesser degree but it, i find that again it, it's uh, every side seems to have created this the, these red lines either explicitly or unintentionally or maybe intentionally but not not explicitly um uh, for these negotiations which again is going to make life very difficult now for now what is the next nine months um and one of these is the fact that boris johnson in, in particular with his big red bus campaign that uh, the UK would be three hundred and fifty million pounds a week better off as a result of leaving the EU. So he hasn't really left himself much room to manoeuvre in terms of a negotiating a free trade agreement that includes budget contributions because he's effectively ba- breaking a promise from the word go. Don't get me wrong. If he if he did a U turn on that and that was cut in half, I don't think he'd be too bothered. Mm. But um, he he has backed himself into a corner in, in many ways, and the EU is 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 similarly uh, done done the same thing. So yeah, I mean, but you you know on. on what you have to do with these things is that what what happened in the past was it seems to me there were vague deadlines and so we knew that we know Brexit had to happen and all the rest of it but now what at least what he's doing is saying look we need to get certain things agreed by December December the 31st he's putting a hard deadline there France is already now talking about the fact that this is this is this this timetable is is blackmail I would suggest it's a timetable a timetable is no bad thing if you're running a board meeting then uh, you cannot go you know days after day you have to say right this meeting is going to finish at three o'clock I'm going to chuck away the keys to the door until we get an agreement that's what's going on here that's that's no bad thing surely it's it's no bad thing in theory as long as you're giving yourself enough time to actually get the work done. Um, it, it's 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 I, I don't, I don't, it, it's hard to say because the, the problem is that we don't all know the ins and outs of what's no, what no, the no, what, what it's going to take to get this that, trade deal true, over the I line. Think, I, think, and, I think what 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 we do know is this is an issue of sovereignty over trade fric- friction, isn't it? And I mean, what what's happening is the UK is saying, look, as far as we're concerned, we want sovereignty to continue. We can talk about the Canada-style business, which mm-hmm. is which is, of course is is a very slippery kind of agreement to, to start with. But just for the moment, let's leave that to one side. What he's actually saying is, look, if this is sovereignty. And he's saying to business, you know, you're going to have to cope with this. Yeah, and the, the, the issue that we have, right, I mean, I agree with you, like, having these deadlines in place does help uh, almost focus the mind. It removes a lot of the stuff that uh, aggravates everyone concerned and everyone watching, which is you, you you see people set out their stalls like, this is where our starting positions are, and if the timetable's three years, then you will very gradually move towards your negotiated position. The tighter deadline, you would think, would focus the minds and get people gravitating towards that final position much quicker. Um, you just need to make sure that you're leaving yourself enough time to actually get the deal over the line. And 
and but there's a reason why people are now actually saying that if there's not going to be an extension beyond the end of this year in terms of negotiating this trade agreement, what you're going to get is a trade agreement light. And the problem with something like that is you're leaving yourself open to there being problems with it, which will only materialise in the future. Uh, and you've got to weigh the pros and the cons um, of that. The chances are you're going to get a trade agreement light, which is going to continue to be negotiated. And what you've just done is you've yeah. created a political deadline rather than a, rather than a fundamental deadline. And the, the differences are very slim. It's just, okay. again, it's very much good. a political argument. All right. Good, good point. Um, let's just do the Canada thing. So Canada's style <laughs> covers a huge, huge amount of undecided stuff. Canada's style basically means, as I understand it, that um, they're, 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 you get rid of most tariffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you you work on the various quotas, i.e. how much stuff you can actually export um, freely and in terms of volume without attracting more um, tariffs from the receiving country. However, it does not include service industries and that most important it does not include financial services that's the bottom line isn't it yeah ultimately that's how that's how i understand it and but i guess the the and that may scare people because you say well actually do you know what we're a trade deficit country with the eu but and at the same time most of our export is services led so we're leaving ourselves in a very awkward position there but what we have to remember is that there is, we're not talking tariffs when we're talking about the services industry per se the thing that we're talking about there is the regulatory side which is not necessarily part of it, it's something that which which is made up within any kind of trade agreement it, the, the kind of regulatory side um is, is kind of comes alongside that and that will enable the uk to continue to sell their services to the uh eu so this is why this is why there's so much talk about equivalents and the likes um which will all which, which will fundamentally effectively run alongside any trade agreement and it runs alongside all trade agreements so yeah i mean it's the problem that we've got is i mean we talk about these things as if we know the ins and outs of them and the fact is that the majority of people don't so when people are talking about Canada style this style that style basically what we're all doing is we're reading from the hymn sheet of that uh, Michel Barnier first presented uh, that was uh, that we saw in those initial meetings with David Davis which was this kind of flow diagram where it's uh, like if you want this then you, you're you going down the Norway route if you want this then you're going down the Canada route and if and so we're kind of reading from that that sheet effectively in terms of what we're going towards but the, ultimately every trade agreement is, al- is always going going to be different because everyone has their own politically sensitive things. Ours is uh, the, the, the fisheries, for example. The, the, that's not part of any Canada-style agreement, but it will have to be part of ours, you would think, because it's so now politically sensitive, even if it's not economically important. So... Every trade agreement is going to be different, um, and I don't think we should get too tied up in the tiny details at this moment in time until we see the negotiating <laughs> mandates and until mm. maybe we get close to the deadline and we start to see what is actually important okay. versus what is politically, uh, publicly important. At now. this moment in time, we need another half hour to discuss all this, but we haven't got it, unfortunately. <laughs> Craig, for the moment, thank you very much indeed. The Business Breakfast on Jazz FM with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. 